Hello, everyone. This is your always tactful host, Pendy. And this is Paul, also known as EastX Twitch. We're here for our first ever episode of Tactfully Die, a Slime Time podcast spinoff that will cover just about everything in the world of Dragon Quest The Adventure of Die and Dragon Quest Tact mobile game. I've been dying to run with this concept for a while. Really? Is it going to be that kind of podcast? Maybe. <laughs> but don't worry. I won't stretch about too much. Ah! <laughs> But before we get going, uh, let's let's get to uh, know Paul a little bit more. He's brand new to our Slime Time podcast world. What was the first Dragon Quest game that you ever played? The first one I played was Dragon Warrior on the NES. I got it free for subscribing to Nintendo Power as a kid. Oh, you're one of those. That's awesome. It's, it's <laughs> uh, rare when I actually meet someone that was able to take care, uh, take advantage of that subscription uh, bonus of getting that game. That's that nice. was irresistible. So, uh, what are your some of your what are your some of your favorite games in the Dragon Quest series? Well, I it's hard to pick just one or two, but I would say that my two favorites are Dragon Quest Three and Dragon Quest Eleven. Ooh, good choices. Yeah, those are. And and uh, I noticed uh, revisiting Die today that there's some some heavy Dragon Quest Three influence in there too. Yeah, those those are fun. Dragon Quest Three is such a special game. I, I totally see why it had such a big cultural impact in Japan. Oh yeah. So what about uh, spinoff games? Okay, I haven't played that many of the spinoffs, but I do really like Rocket Slime on the Nintendo DS, and I would love to play the sequel someday. I also like Dragon Quest Heroes 2 on PlayStation and Steam, even though I haven't beaten it. It is really, really cool. Mm. And, of course, I play a lot of Dragon Quest Tact on my phone. No, not really? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Rocket Slime was great. I loved it when it came out. Uh, I would like to play the sequel as well. I just need to sit down one day and just emulate it, because they have that English patch out for it. So uh, there's, I think there's one for one, and there's definitely one for three, where they... they, uh, Instead of, uh, I think instead of uh, having tanks, you have ships. Is the whole concept behind the game? That's different. Yeah, looks pretty cool. And and I remember in the trailer for it, uh, I think the uh, the big the big bads in it, the platypunks. I think they go around stealing like all of these different famous uh, monuments and and sites like that. Because I remember seeing the Statue of Liberty and the Sphinx and all sorts of famous sites in there. How cool! Yeah, yeah. So one day, one day I'll play it. I'll get around. <laughs> yeah, me too. So do you have any favorite characters or monsters in the series? <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's really hard to pick, but I would say characters wise, I like the little incidental characters. Like uh, I like the, the muscular guys that wear a mask. I, I forget what they're called. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, but also Puff Puff Girls. <laughs> they're delightful, you know. <laughs> of course. They get the blood pumping. <laughs> and and monsters wise, again, really hard to pick. You know, metal slimes obviously are really cool. It's always great to run into those. But in Tact, I really enjoy the humanoid ladies like Juliante, Dora, and Gray, etc. Oh, nice! Isn't it like uh, I think her version in Tact is like Party Time Juliante or something like that? Yes, she's like that's a, right. Like a slightly different version of it. It's kind of like they have like Santa Claus, Crystalinda, and like different versions of people like that. Yeah, they I guess they that. release them around the holiday, right? Yeah, yeah, and I think they, uh, I think they're based. A lot of them are based off of characters from Ten. So they like take the base character from Ten and then do something uh, funny with them or something. I guess. Yes, I sure hope we get a chance to officially experience Ten in English in some form someday. God, I hope so. I mean, I, I know Ten offline is coming out. Uh, I want to say it got pushed back to what the sometime in the summer, but you know, I don't, I don't know if that's going to come west or not. I, I, I have doubts, but it'll be great if we got at least something. I mean, I'd prefer the online game, but if we can at least get the offline game to kind of start out, that'd be nice. Yeah, I mean, that would fill us in on a lot of the lore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, when it comes to your favorite mechanics in Dragon Quest games, like monster collecting, job classes, casinos, like what are your, what are your favorites? Okay, well, I'm not exactly picky, but. I do like searching for mini metals and other items, you know, like just walking around and, and checking all the jars and stuff. Mm. Like when I was playing Dragon Quest XI on Switch, I kept, you know, I, I had a lot of fun just breaking all the jars and like taking screenshots of them and stuff, just being a, a little bit silly with looking for things. But 
as far as mechanics go, I am never interested in the casinos. Like those have not really, I've not fallen in love with them just yet. Oh, okay. Yeah. Especially in the beginning, they, they were pretty difficult. It's a little bit easier to get around them in the later Dragon Quest games, but they were brutal, especially in the first few where they showed up. Yes, definitely. And then you got like Dragon Quest three that had what the, uh, the monster arena and you just can't. You can't win in there. It's just, it's not possible. Yeah, it's such a pain. It's kind of a waste of time is what it feels like. <laughs> it is. It's like, it's like a novelty to see the monsters fight each other for, for a minute, especially if you, if you played it back when it was released and the, the concept of monster games and Pokemon weren't out yet. So that was like fun. But then like after a while it wears off and you're like, no, nope, I'm not winning any money. So move on to the next thing. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. So you founded a few of the Dragon Quest Facebook groups. Uh, would you be able to talk about those a little bit and how they came about? Sure. So I got my start with Dragon Quest Facebook groups in the Dragon Quest of the Stars global group. Dragon Quest of the Stars, I believe, is the first official mobile Dragon Quest game that we got. Is that right? Yes. For, as far as gotcha games go, yeah. Yeah, so that, that came out and I was really excited about it. So I joined... There was another founder, but I joined it as a moderator. And then the, the founder left, so I ended up taking it over. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. And, it, it, you know, it's kind of understandable. Like, if you're not into the game anymore, then why would you want to keep running the group? Or at least you wouldn't want to put very much effort into it. Yeah. So I totally understood. And, you know, with gotcha games, usually for me, it's a matter of like, how long can I play this before I get sick of it or I get sick of the predatory nature of it? Mm. And so even with stars, I did get sick of it a little bit after my fiance, who also played with me. Oh, that's but awesome. anyway, tact was coming out and that was really exciting. You know, like there was good buzz for it. And so I created that group well in advance of the English release. I remember that. And yeah, and and recruited you as a moderator. Yeah. Yeah, which is good because we had another moderator too, but unfortunately he's never been helpful. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, just between you and I, we do cover it because we use Facebook enough that we haven't really needed extra help. Mm -mm. No, it's been pretty good. I'm glad you agree. And tact... Our tact group has been very successful, and I love it. And it actually makes the game a lot more fun for me because we have such a good community. Oh, yeah. Then I also created a die group in advance of the Adventure of Die mobile game coming out. The only problem is that I don't really have time to play both games. So I have a regular moderator who just kind of keeps that group going for me. And it's, it's not quite as amazing as our tact group. Nice. That's cool. Yeah, I because uh, I got into Stars back when it first came out, and I was I did it hardcore. I played it every day. Um, I was so devastated when it got canceled so early, and I had just I actually just spent some money on like oh, no. the, uh, was it the one year or the one point five year anniversary that just came out, whatever the, the the last big promotion was, and then they they announced the cancellation like a a few weeks, a couple weeks, like right after that, after I'd spent my money. I even tried to get a refund. A lot of us did, um, right. un- unsuccessfully. I know. <laughs> Some of us were able to get one, get some, but I, I, I maybe got like five bucks back. That was about it out of like maybe, I don't know, 40 that I spent. But yeah, so I was pissed off about that. And then when Die was coming out, I noticed it was similar to uh, Stars in, in the fact that a lot of it seems to revolve around uh, gotcha when it comes to like weapons and armor and stuff like that. And that's just not my thing. I like how Tact is better where like it's more about monster collecting and uh, character collecting because there's not, not just monsters, there's heroes and stuff too. But so, yeah, I never really got into to die that's one of the few things of of die that i'm not into is is the mobile game but tax uh obviously i'm really big into that and used to be in the stars but yeah i like i like tech a lot better same here same here yeah like tact is such a special game they could totally make a a triple a version of it or a switch version of it and sell it and they'd make money that way but presumably they make more with it as a gotcha game yeah probably <laughs> though they did have dragon quest rivals on the switch and i don't know how that works exactly having a gotcha game on a console but they they did have that on the switch i wonder if they could do the same thing with tech good question if they did i would totally play it yeah. Although with Tact, I wish our accounts were a little bit more cloud-based or like a little bit more portable because it's not so easy to recover your account. Like some of the recovery methods, I think, are still broken. At least whenever my fiance has had to switch phones a couple times, like it's always taken her a lot of emailing and waiting for them to restore her account. Yeah, we had a guy in our – we'll get into this a little bit more in depth <laughs> later, but we had a guy in my guild that uh, he quit because he switched to a new device and he was not able to load his – old data into his new device so he's like nope no, screw it i'm i'm done so i'm gonna i'm not gonna play anymore so we That's lost so that guy because of it 
Yeah. Yeah. And my advice to everybody would be there's a a player info screenshot you can take that has like an ID number and stuff. And and you really should just screenshot that and save it in an email or something so that you can look at that if you ever lose it, because that is a big help in recovering your account. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. I think I will go ahead and do that after this uh, this podcast. (laughs) Just in case. Uh, so what do you most like about, uh, speaking of tech, what do you, do you most like about it? Okay. Well, it's hard to narrow it down, right? Because mm. I genuinely love it, but I love collecting monsters, just like you mentioned. You know, there's there's so many great monsters, and there's still a lot of monsters yet for them to add. And I kind of oh, hope so that they, I hope they get around to, like, just more of the enemies from the, you know, like the NES and Super NES games that haven't been put in there yet. But it'd also be cool to see, like, square slimes and different interesting things like that. But I also like that you can auto run it. You know, they added kind of it auto. It had auto play to begin with, but you can set it to continue doing fights until you run out of stamina. Or on the battle road, you can have it go for sixty fights in a row. Yeah, that's really convenient for when you're driving or working or something. You can just get it started and still be playing the game in a way and still benefiting without giving it your full attention. So yeah, you can. You can yeah, you can level up and and collect a small amount of uh, in-game currency while you're doing that. Yeah, so that's really sweet, and I love that. You know, Stars had kind of an auto feature, but it wouldn't, as I recall, it wouldn't automatically do the spells and stuff, and you actually needed that to be able to beat hard content. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so an, a couple more things. The, the free gems. This game is really good about giving out free gems to players. Now, I believe that if you enjoy a free-to-play game, that you should put a little bit of money into it to, you know, to thank the developers and support the game and keep it going. And it makes me sad when people are just determined not to ever spend money on a game, no matter how much they play it, because that is not helpful. But on the other hand, they do give us a lot of free gems, and whether you're a paying player or not, you benefit from that. And that's really cool. And I I've played other gotcha games that are not so generous. Yeah, it's I'm, I have a limit. I have very limited experience with gotcha games. I, there's uh, Stars. This uh, I played a couple of the Final Fantasy games, uh, Record Keeper, and oh, I played that. The, and one of the other ones. Uh, those are the two first gotcha games I ever played. And it, it does. I agree that uh, Tact seems to be pretty good about giving away free gems. I, I have nothing against players who are like strictly free to play, like good on them but yeah i mean you do need to have people that spend money uh on the game or else the game's just going to go away <laughs> yeah, exactly we you don't do, want what happened to stars to, happen to have those people yeah exactly so i i'm fine with people who are just free to play they can enjoy it that way and that's great um as long as we have enough people that also are spending money on it and and it can keep the game going then i'm good with that and i've heard that this game is is doing pretty well so i'm hoping uh, japan and global so I'm hoping it'll last a long time. Yes, that would be so good. I mean, every now and then I think about, like, what would it be like if Tact went away? And, I mean, it was sad enough when SARS went away, but it would be terrible if Tact ever went away. Yeah, yeah, because I put a lot more into this game, for sure. So our uh, podcast, obviously, is not just Tact, but also about Die. So I thought I'd ask you, what is your favorite Die character? Okay, well, I actually have two favorite Die characters. You could say, no, that's a bad joke. But no, my my favorite character (laughs) is Crocodine. Crocodine's a best uh so is, is that the uh, are you saying two favorites because he starts out as a bad guy and then uh and, and then not <laughs> no i just man i didn't have a good enough punchline for that one okay but yeah no i actually really like all of the main characters like uh they they all have good features about them you know i've i've in my watching of the show i've seen chu a little bit chu is really funny and endearing you know he's a comic relief character but as the show goes on it kind of doesn't have enough regular monsters in it you know like it starts out with a bunch of regular monsters and then it gets more focused on dragon ball z type battles Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so at least they put chu in it's like hey there's another dragon quest monster and he gets some screen time so i like that but crocodine the beast king he's my overall favorite character because he's just so noble and he has a great character arc and he does you know he's always a lot of fun yes i agree that was great so let's uh, let's go ahead and strategically dive right into our first subject. So let's talk some tact. Okay. Well, that makes it redundant for me to say it's time to talk tact, but I don't care. It's time to talk tact. We'll dive into <laughs> updates and our progress with the game Dragon Quest Tact. So full disclaimer: we are by far not tax ex- experts. We just play the game for pure enjoyment. At least I'm not, <laughs> but I'm not ashamed to say that I'll resort to guide videos for the much harder missions because some of them get ridiculous. Yes, they do. I do consider myself something of an expert, but I do still have to rely on those strategy guide videos that other players make. In a total coincidence, 
we happen to be starting this podcast series up right in the middle of a die crossover in Dragon Quest Tact. Pendy, how has your experience been with the crossover event? Well, you know, I think it's been wonderful. I've been so lucky with my pulls that I've actually gotten every die character from the banners. I lucked out. Uh, the special stamps for each banner with all the guaranteed A pulls along with the guaranteed S-Pull, have been very good to me. Uh, they all have their strengths, uh, all the characters that you can get from this, but I do love how Hadler can auto-heal himself twice uh, when he gets hit. And um, I recently used a Mam's instant para paralysis heal in a level that had a lot of paralyzing enemies because she has a skill where if someone gets paralyzed, she'll just automatically like cure them and they're not paralyzed anymore. And there's this one board where everyone tries to paralyze you. And I'm like, nope, 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 nope. I'm good. <laughs> that was great. There's like, there's one time where I, where I did a, a more advanced level and I had like four people get paralyzed and she healed them all. It was great. It's like, not for me, but, uh, but it took me a while, but I did get all of the, uh, the friendship stones that are in that event too, that where you had to get, cause like there was, um, for the people who haven't played it yet, there are different levels that you can do, and they have the different die characters as NPCs in certain levels. Like you'll have Pop will come in and, and fight with you, or you'll have Die will come in and fight with you uh, as NPCs. But they start out at a very low level, and as you get these friendship stones, then they will gain levels, they will give you items, and they will become stronger so that they can help you out even better and not be such a pain sometimes. <laughs> Uh, but I did get all the friendship stones for that, so I've got that all complete. I, so and, and it takes a while, so I can see why they threw so much extra stamina at us for that event. Like there was so much stamina you could get from doing certain uh, certain things you could they had you do. Now, what about you? Well, I also got every die character, but it did get really expensive for me to acquire die himself. I had to go through the full extent of the pity system, the, the oh. stamp card. I had to do 15 10 pulls with gems in order to get him, and that's not counting all the, you know, like the ticket pulls I did. Mm -hmm. So very expensive, but I really do love die, so I was not willing to go without him, you know. And And again, it's I didn't feel so bad about supporting the game, but it does suck having to buy extra gems when things aren't going your way. Oh, well, just imagine like how bad it was in the beginning. Remember when it was like you needed to do 30 pulls to get a guaranteed uh, banner character? <laughs> yeah, that was ridiculous. And I never <laughs> even considered getting to that point because no. the financial cost would be absurd. Yeah, like hundreds of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say that the die event is probably the most fun I've had with the game. I I really enjoy the event story, which retells the show's arc all the way up through Dai's meeting with Baron. Yeah. So that was really cool to see. And it'd be excellent if they ever do a follow up and take the story a little further. But you can see that they want to leave people enticed so that they actually check out the anime or the manga. Yeah. And I like going back to Dai for a little bit. I like his character. How I know he's pretty highly rated in Japan still. And they're six months ahead of us. And he's kind of a good jack-of-all-trade characters where he has multiple elements for some of his attacks, which are great. Yeah. Um, so he's pretty good just in general. But, oh, yeah, if they do a follow-up event for, for Dai, that would be great. Because then you could have, like, uh, Ma'am after she class changes, which I won't give away into what. And <laughs> you have the different, uh, you know, the new, the new bad guys that come along. And you have the new abilities for all the different characters in the show and things like that. So that would be great. There's so, they can do a lot more. They could do, like, a whole nother run with Dai and still have the same amount of banner characters to and free characters to to have available with all the stuff that happens in the show. Absolutely. And they really need to let us get Gomechan. I mean Gomechan is the mascot monster character of the of Dai and they didn't give us that character. So it'd, it'd be nice if we get a chance in the future. That would be interesting as a support character. That'd be funny. <laughs> yes. Could... But as far as the Dai event goes, I I did want to point out that I haven't beaten the hardest the hardest missions yet. You know, like there, there's always those really high level ones where most players have no chance of doing it unless they follow a strategy guide. Mm -hmm. You know, and those strategy guide videos, they're highly reliant on having specific units, which sometimes you don't get because you can't just get every banner unit unless you're wealthy. And other times they're reliant on having equipment maxed out a certain way, you know, and mm -hmm. um, man, alchemizing equipment i don't know how those players do it like how they get enough gold to actually max out some of the equipment because it's too expensive to do all the time yeah because it's the, the results are completely random so you're like yeah keep doing it do it and do it until you get lucky yeah like some guy said he spent a hundred thousand gold to to max out a particular piece of armor i think from the die event and it's like man i couldn't have spared a hundred thousand gold for that it costs enough to level up your 
the skills for all your monsters. Yeah, I get, I, I'll get like, I'm satisfied once I get like one rainbow and two golds, and then I'm good. And if I'm lucky, I'll get two rainbows and something else, and I'm happy. But like, to get like three rainbows, I'm like, nope, I'm, I'm good not spending that kind of cash to, to do that. Agreed. That's crazy. Or it'll be <laughs> like um, after the fact, you know, like a month or two later, there's a strategy for something else. And the strategy relies on this one piece of equipment having been rolled a certain way. And nobody told you back when you were actually rolling for that equipment. So it's kind of up to chance or whatever, whether you rolled it that way or not. Yeah, when, it, when the game was first starting out, there were some people who were really good about making guides that were free to play uh, characters only. And but that and that yeah. lasted, lasted a very long time. But now it's getting to the point, I think, where you can't do that as easily anymore or people have just given up on that idea <laughs> with their <laughs> guides. But, yeah, I, I definitely have to, like, browse the guides because, thankfully, usually there's more than one strategy with different characters and hoped that I and hope that I have at least uh, the characters that you they require in that mission or like someone similar. Sometimes you can you can uh, do someone else instead, but you can kind of tell emerging trends sometimes because i remember oh, what's her name the name of the slime lady what's her name seraphie seraphie so everyone was like you need to get seraphie because seraphie is just essential in very difficult missions later on and you can oh, yeah. you can tell that yes that is a definite must for a lot of like ex missions and harder missions along the line now you can see now the recent trend that i've seen is uh Jessica, like a lot of a lot of uh, strategy guides for like really hard levels require Jessica. Or I've seen recently um, uh, Domegas, like he he or Rat, yeah Domegas. He's yes. he's a uh, like a really good character for some of these harder die missions. Like I am, as far as my stuff goes, I just completed level 19 for the Hyunko missions. Way to go! You're farther yep. than me then. Yep. I used I used some guides and I was able to figure it out. Um, now I just have to see if I can do 20. And supposedly you can do 20 with just Genghis and Seraphie and one other character, maybe Jessica. Wow. And just those just those three alone. I tried it once and I died. But I didn't <laughs> I didn't I didn't have time and I didn't try it any more than that. So I think if I, I buff up Genghis a little bit more with his abilities, then I might be able to do it. So we'll see. Yeah, I hope so. I would just be happy to beat 19 because I'm like uh, one event currency short of being able to to get the stone you need in order to rank baron up further you know the oh the me, too. Rank baron. me too that's why i'm trying to go for it otherwise i probably would have given up given it up by now <laughs> gotcha yeah with with tactics sometimes it's just a matter of like when can i set aside two hours to sit at a computer and watch videos and also work on the game you know like it can be difficult to dedicate that much time to playing challenging content on your phone you know but i yeah. try to do it once or twice a month if i'm able to yeah do you have Do you have Jessica yet? Yes, thank goodness, and oh. Dulmagus. Okay. Oh well, you are set then. You can get 19, You can beat nineteen and twenty of those two. I hope so. I mean, I tried on nineteen for a while and it didn't work out, but I will keep trying. We've got like almost two weeks left. Yeah, so. yeah, because yeah, twenty you can beat with like Dulmagus in like I saw a bunch of videos saying like with Dulmagus you can do it in two turns or something crazy like that. Like, oh cool. wow! <laughs> I was like, oh okay, well damn, wish I had him. I tried to go for him a bit, but not hard enough. But yeah, Jessica is definitely essential to nineteen and some ones below because the strategy that someone uses is that basically you kind of uh string hyunko along and then eventually use like jessica's uh, multi-masher uh super super move on him and he takes him out and then you just yes then you just hope and pray that he doesn't do his uh his ability where he revives himself oh wow yeah that i didn't run into that beating all the way up to 18 you know like oh yeah no problem thankfully but yeah 19 i would be really frustrated if i finally got it right and then he still revived himself Yep, he does that. It's a small percentage, but he does do it. It's just one of his abilities, which is oh which is fun because it's related to the show. So that's cool. <laughs> True enough. So um, shortly after the die event, they went headlong into a Halloween and Christmas event. Merry Christmas in May, everybody. Kind of strange, right? So what do you think about that? <laughs> Too bad it wasn't Christmas in July. <laughs> that's what I kept thinking. I was like, just yeah, it would have been perfect. Oh well. But it is unusual. I would say, I guess it was necessary for the global version to keep pace with the Japanese version because our game launched in a totally different time of year than theirs. Yep. And. I don't want to be in a point where, like, with the the banner units, we're eight months behind, you know, so keeping us only about six months behind is fairly reasonable. Yeah, I wonder if they're going to try and catch us up eventually, or we're always going to be lagging by about six months or something like that. It'd be great if we, you know, even if we were just, like, two months behind, you know, if, if yeah. they could catch us all the way up. And perhaps we're on pace for that with the accelerated pace of the events that they're doing right now, since we have three different events going at once. 
Yeah, that might be why. Yeah, because I don't think it was quite like that in Japan. But as far as the current holiday events, I am waiting for some birthday money later this week so I can keep pulling for Santa Alina because I've got eight stamps on the card out of 15. Nice. Yeah, I'm like, I'm tempted to... I was tempted to try and go for a, a Santa Alina, but I'm like, nah, you know, the 1.5 anniversary is coming up soon. So I'll just save my gems as much as I want, I want to have that character too. Because I have a speed team that I mostly use when it comes to the arena and she'd probably be really good for that. But I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll just see if I can, can get lucky later on. And I'll, I'll try that. I'll try that later because that will happen in July. So we're not too far away from the 1.5 anniversary. Uh, I did. I did. I was able to get uh, Santa Crystalinda though. I wasn't really going for her but i think i got her off of um off of tickets so i got lucky with that one yeah not bad and i didn't realize that she could be blossomed too so that's a bonus so that's good yeah she just got that blossoming last week right yeah yeah and it, it took me forever but i did max heart the halloween king he did not seem to have a uh, a nice drop rate that seemed to be pretty small uh, <laughs> i am excited to have him though he has some great uh uh widespread attacks just just like the king she uh, slime has uh, which is one of my favorite monsters to use in arena and i'm looking forward to uh, actually i'm using them right now in the the a week only arena i didn't realize i didn't look look ahead and i didn't realize i was like a monsters only uh this week well a and below this week so i'm using him uh, right now so it's works out pretty well i wish i could be using uh what's his name the santa Udlum or santa yeah, what, I he's think it's Santa Hoodlum, right? Or, yeah, yeah, but yeah, because he's supposed to be like he's rated like one of the highest A rank characters in Japan. But I'm still working on him. That's what that's what my current project is is to uh, get the get his hearts up. I'm, a, I'm I got him at three hearts right now, so I need two more, and then he's he will be complete. I see. I've got him at four. But getting back to the arena talk, let's briefly explain how that works. Arena fights are text asynchronous pvp mode players can earn rewards for competing in up to three arena battles per day last week spell damage was boosted in the arena this week it's a rank units only so how did you do last week so uh i was doing pretty good this past week uh but then i missed or messed up a few battles like you said it was magic week uh, so I decided to actually go with my speed team. Magic using magic users isn't really my specialty. Um, I used like a Alina, King She Slime, Hellsguard, Vera, and Nocturnus. And with Nocturnus, I equipped him with a bunch of speed gear, like a uh, that that vest that gives you higher agility and one of the claws, uh, so that he could be just almost as speedy as the other characters, so they could keep up with him. Uh, doesn't doesn't didn't always go so great with the board layout because the board layout was definitely advantageous to magic users, but I did okay. Uh, this that C week that was before it, where you could only do C level monsters and below, that was brutal. I was not prepared. <laughs> I'd kind of heard rumors about it, but didn't pay attention. I was like, oh hey, it's C week now, shit. So I did. I agree. I did a lot of last-minute blossoming and skill upgrades to be competitive there. I didn't die, but I didn't uh, do that great either. But I, I got through it. Uh, this week, as we were saying, is A week. Uh, I'm starting out using uh, Gigantes, uh, Ma'am, Halloween King, and Percival. And I'll probably switch out Kiefer, Kiefer here and there, depending on the situation. And I also heard that Bulldozer character, which I have uh, got him at a few hearts, is supposed to be real good. But I need to build up his abilities more before I... I start. What about what about you with that? Well, last week I lost one match, mm. which is always really frustrating, actually. I still enjoy the arena, but I had more fun with it back when the pool of units was smaller. Nowadays, it's much harder to build a good team against the huge variety of opponents. And so sometimes there's certain weeks where I just feel like, man, I can't get my team just right. And that, that can be frustrating. Yeah, it's it's interesting how that developed with my playstyle. So at, in the beginning, like I would, um, when my teams were weaker, I would play to, to the weaknesses of the teams I was playing against and not just like elemental, but like I would find teams that were, had characters that were bad with paralysis or sleep. And wow. I would do a lot of that. And now that I got, I would lose points because it would take me a longer time to, to beat them, but I wouldn't lose that much because of it. And then as my teams got stronger, then I was able to kind of battle people out, but I was still taking too long to win. And then I realized, hey, you got the you got the monsters now. Build a speed team because it's all about getting it within those first two rounds. Now it's three rounds. They give you three rounds, but it, back then it was like two rounds was getting max points. So mm-hmm. that's that's when I got Alina and. Off of, uh, once I got Alina, that was the cornerstone of my speed team that I could build everything else around. around. I already had King she, she Slime, who's pretty damn quick. And then I got I got lucky and I got a bunch of, of those uh, Vera characters. And she's very quick. And she does like a, an attack that spreads. And Ooh. that's very good. And she's super quick. So that's like the, the meat of my team. So 
it's very it's a, a physical team that I, I use most of the time because uh, before like I would switch around and be like oh well I'll use teams are good he's he's weak to zap or he's weak to sizzle or whatever and I'd kind of I would flop flip flop on my teams but now I just I kind of have like a, a a core team that I use most of the time uh, instead of having to figure it out figure it out all the all the time so I just kind of rush in and try and get them real quick. Um, gotcha. But yeah, it's it's uh it can be it can be very very interesting. And then and actually the the problem with arena is that it's not so much that you have such a huge variety of monsters that you're going after. Is that like at least with my in my experience, like I just keep you just keep running into teams that are like, hey, it's Alina, hey, it's Alina, hey, it's Alina, hey, it's Domegas, hey, it's Domegas. Holes, everyone's got Alina and Domegas. <laughs> <laughs> and I hate playing against those characters. Like I'm, or they have a Nocturnus that's like three hearts or more, and I'm like, nope, I'm gonna. Stay <laughs> that away can from be me. scary. You know, I don't mind fighting Alina anymore because if you have a blossomed Baramos, he totally takes care of her. Mm. And also, just with with any, as long as you have a spell user and a, a breath user, then you just get them to hang back and let her move first, and then they can they can kill her in that same turn or the very next turn before she goes again. If you brought the right units, but if you're sticking to like one core team, then it might be hard to deal with that. Yeah, and I have to force myself to sometimes I'll get locked into like, oh hey, it's a I'm get all five Alinas. So I'm like, okay, so I got to switch around a little bit. Need to bring in a good magic user to take her out. And if it's just and it depends too because like if it's Alina with like a mediocre team, it's like okay, well if I just have to worry about her, then that's fine. But if it's like a competent Alina team that also is surrounded by like a King She Slime and some other faster characters, then I'm like, ooh no, I gotta stay away from you. Just yeah, depends. that's that's when it gets really tough. Is just when they have a lot of good units. Like it's not just Alina you have to worry about. It's also Nocturnus and Dual Megas and such. And then I really just don't know what to do when there's too many good units in like every team that you're up against. Yeah, it can. You just gotta pray to the RNG god sometimes <laughs> and hope that not you have like one at least one weak team you can you can take down pretty easily or reels <laughs> so uh what do you think of the uh the roadmap that they just put out uh, one of them is a dragon quest numbering event do you think they mean a uh, dragon quest 11 perhaps well this roadmap is pretty slight compared to the last one the last one seemed to have nice. a lot of more interesting information on it yeah but to answer your question with a question numbering event sounds like a networking term don't you think but <laughs> I've heard that it does refer to Dragon Quest XI, though, for some reason. And coincidentally, Dragon Quest XI-S is currently on sale on most platforms. We all love Dragon Quest XI, so I'm sure that event is going to be really cool. And isn't Dragon Quest Day also coming up soon? That's very true. That's going to be the uh, 36th anniversary of Dragon Quest, and that's going to there's going to have a particular event in the game. Don't know what it's going to be yet, but I'm sure it's going to be one of those events where we get all sorts of goodies. Um, I'm also interested to see what the first guild tournament is supposed to be. That's going to be this month. Um, do we fight other guilds? Do we fight each other? I've heard rumors about how it's supposed to work, but I haven't heard really anything solid yet. Do you know anything about it? Whatever it is, I dread it. <laughs> I'm not the most competitive guy in the world. So it's really good that I happen to write for a site called Co-Optimus. Oh, so Co-Optimus, what is that about? I'm guessing that's about co-op games or something? Yes, I'm the editor at Co-Optimus, the leading site for coverage of games with cooperative multiplayer features. We've been around for over 10 years, not that different from Dragon's Den. Oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah, I love co-op games, like especially growing up with my uh, younger brother. Like whenever we could get some kind of co-op game going, that was you know fantastic. I have some great memories from playing a lot of co-op games growing up, like uh, that. Secret yeah. of Mana, games like that. Yeah. Heck yeah. Mm -hmm. So earlier we mentioned guilds. Uh, I'm in a Dragon's Den guild, uh, DQ Den. I saw over at uh, our tech, our Dragon Quest Tech Global Facebook group, you put together three different guilds, and they're all named uh, DQ Aces. Yes, we wanted a name that refers to the Facebook group, but the game was blocking way too many letter combinations when the guild feature launched. It took an hour of trying just to end up with Aces, <laughs> so we're going to stick with that for the time being. I mean, it was a lot of trouble, but they did fix that like a few days later. It was just a little too late for us. Yeah, that was a huge glitch. Ah, what a pain. We got a lot of applicants from the Facebook group, even though the more active group members really spread out into many other groups, which was maybe a little frustrating for me, but that's okay. You know, like uh, it's popular and there's so many different guilds. That's mm -hmm. cool. But in the 
in the end, I felt that we could manage three groups with the number of applicants that came in. And so far, we're doing pretty well. I need to mess with the leadership a little bit and move a few people around in, in the second and third groups. But I'm still happy with how it's going. Nice. So they're doing pretty well because we uh, we hovered around the top 100 and even I think the top 50 at one point in time. But we fell after we lost a few people. But we have some replacements lined up. So I know we'll do better next month or this month. That's good. I'm sorry you guys lost a few people. We we lost like one guy so far hasn't been that bad. But yeah, you know, having to move people in our situation, having to move people around because of the strict 20 member limit for each guild is a big headache. But, you know, Aces 1 is our main guild and then Aces 3 is our casual guild, you know, so as long as we can get that optimized, I'm confident that we could stay in the top 50. Nice. Now then, before we get into the die portion of the show, it's time for the tact tip of the week. Tip of the week. Today's tip of the week is all about heroes. That's right, tacticians. Remember, whenever you get a new hero character, they have their own missions you can access. Yes, they do. And if you complete those missions, you can get some gems and a bonus avatar image of that hero. That's amazing. That was our tact tip of the week. Tip of the week. Now let's get into some Die. Every week, we're going to review two episodes from the newest Dragon Quest, The Adventure of Die anime. That's right. And we are going to start from the beginning. In the future, we'll also do reviews of the manga, Die console news, and maybe even a little bit about the merchandise as well. Sadly, neither of us plays the mobile game, as we mentioned earlier. Our fandom ceiling stops there. Or the X-Cross Blade arcade game, or X-Cross Blade, whatever it's called, arcade game. Though... If that was here or I was there, I would play it. I know oh, yeah. it's very similar to the Monster Battle Road arcade games that I was able to play when I was uh, visiting in Japan in the past. So with that, let's start with episode one, Die the Tiny Hero. So this anime is based off the manga that ran from 1989 to 1996. It was written by Riku Sanjo and illustrated by Koji Inada. And this first episode covers Dai's introduction and an evil plot by fake heroes to steal Gomechan. Oh, poor Gomajan. <laughs> so it was uh, it was interesting to see the uh, some of the bad guys in the beginning, especially since I'm caught up with what is uh, going on right now in Japan because I got Crunchyroll and I'm I'm at the latest episode. So to see mm-hmm. a few of those characters and like, oh, I know who you are. I know who who you are. I know what you're gonna do. So that was interesting to see that in the first like like minute of the uh, of the anime, and then you see like Avon take out Hob- Hadler. So that was that was pretty cool too. What, what did you think of the uh, the opening? Yeah, well. That opening is quite interesting. I, I like how the new show does it. So I believe you and I have both seen the original show, and we've mm-hmm. also read some of the manga. So in the original show and the manga, Dai talks about how the you know the hero beat the demon lord or the dark lord, whatever. Yeah. And it shows kind of like vague impressions of them, and the, the hero in the image is styled after the, the main hero from Dragon Quest III. But in the new anime... It actually, the hero is made to look like Avon, you know, so it ties things together better. Plus, there's a little extra scene in which we see Baran holding a a woman who's just been murdered and he's like cursing humans, you know, and that's not even present in the manga. So it's just a little extra foreshadowing they've added. Yeah, yeah, it was it was uh, it was very interesting. And it kind of looked to maybe maybe I'm just trying to see things that aren't there. But in the new anime, it looks like because it's from like it's from Dai's perspective this, of tell, retelling the story, even though like you know it's actually Hadler, uh, Hadler and Yvonne battling it out. But the with the fake monster that is, comes out of Dai's imagination, it kind of looks like Baramos. So you've got like Bar- the, you got these heroes that look like the heroes from Dragon Quest Three, and all the different you got like the the hero and the uh, the mage and the cleric and the fighter or the warrior. Sorry, the warrior, mm-hmm. not the fighter. The warrior. And they, it all looks like they're they're battling Baramos. And uh, that was not something I, you can't. I looked at in the, in the manga and they're decapitating whatever it is. And you can't really tell what it is. And in the first one, it kind of looks like a, the first anime. It kind of looks like a generic dragon type monster. But in this one, yes. it kind of looks like Baramos. So I thought that was cool. If that's what they were going for. Or I'm that just cool. seeing things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't notice that. Yeah. Uh, and then and then after that, they get into the uh, after they do the little bit at the beginning, they of course, they get into the new opening song, which is done by a band called Macaroni and Pitsu. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but that's that's what how it's spelled. And Pitsu. And Pitsu. Thank you. Yeah, I'm I am legendary for for murdering Asian names. So I have to apologize up front. <laughs> 
but uh, it's a it's a it's it's a great song. I like it, um, but it is kind of weird if you keep going with it. Like if you were to look it up on YouTube and and watch the whole song, it, it you know obviously has a part that's in the anime, but then as the song goes and you listen to the rest of it, it kind of some synthesizer comes in. I'm like, okay, that's yeah, that's cool. And then it goes into like this completely different style of song. It's like this love song. It, completely different tone and then it goes into uh, like a punk song abruptly and then goes kind of go back kind of goes back right into the 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 regular song so yeah that was that was it was interesting fascinating yeah and then you you compare that to like the old opening uh which was actually composed by koichi sugiyama r.i.p as he has passed away, unfortunately, recently. But yeah, it's a, the old one was was uh, interesting. It would have, it was definitely uh, had kind of more of an '80s feel to it, but it was it was it was decent. Yeah, you know, I quite like the old show's music, including the opening. Like the old song, it's it's a new song, but it uses portion of the real main Dragon Quest theme that we all yes. know and love. So it initially. I mean, it immediately creates this feeling of authenticity. And then, you know, throughout the rest of each episode, they're using songs that are from the Dragon Quest games, particularly like, you know, like the NES, Super NES era of games. And so I get a huge kick out of that, even though the new music is also good. Yeah, the new music is done by Yuki Hayashi. And he also did, uh, he's done a lot of anime in the past, but he also is famous for doing My Hero Academia. Awesome. so he does that. And so it's really good music. But yeah, it, it is interesting to watch the old anime and to see all those arranged uh, Koichi Sugiyama tracks. Because they're not just like, it's not like they just threw a track from the game and here you go. It's like they actually arranged it for the show to make it a different style. And it's very interesting to hear the different styles and how they play around with it. Because they, they have this guy, Hayato Matsuo, who's the one who did the music and arranged all the Sugiyama music for the show. And he would go on to be a pretty prolific um, composer himself. He's done a lot of anime, a lot of video games. He actually continued to do Dragon Quest music. So like when we got um, the DS versions of the Dragon Quest games, like 4 and 5 and 6, like he arranged the music for those. He did. He did the Itadaki Street uh, games, which we know as Fortune Street. He did the, I think he, he did one of the ones that had Dragon Quest in them. There's a bunch of them, but he did at least one of them, maybe more. Uh, and he's done, like, he did the Shenmue games. He's done all sorts of stuff. So I think a lot of people are kicking around his name as, like, a possible successor uh, for the Dragon Quest game. So we'll see to see who takes over. Sounds appropriate. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, something that I thought was interesting was how... In the new anime compared to the old anime and the manga, since there's been so many more Dragon Quest, Dragon Quest games since this, uh, since the old stuff has came out, in the new anime, you can see here and there where they throw in new Dragon Quest monsters that weren't in the original, that didn't really exist back then. So I noticed, like, in the first episode, when they're showing all the monsters on the island kind of being being buddy-buddy with each other, like, there's a, there's a version of a uh, Sam Hatwitch, which is, like, one of my favorite newer monsters. He's in there. So um. that's... That's really cool. Um, some other things that I liked about the episode was the uh, the magic cylinder joke with the uh, grandpa, with Grandpa Brass. Oh like, yeah. He's he's showing like he's showing die like oh hey this is how it works like you just say this word and it sucks the monster and if you say this word it pops back out so die's like oh really and so he just like does it to brass and he's like hey and he, he keeps doing it like back and forth back and forth and he's like what are you doing stop it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was clever. <laughs> he just keeps them in there. He's like, yeah, I'm going to use you later. <laughs> and he breaks them out like in the middle of the battle later on. He's and he's and he's, and he's like all dizzy, like finished, and he's finishing like the what he was trying to say before he got sucked back into it. So that was funny. Oh yeah, delightful. Speaking of brass, he's and you pointed this out to me before, but he's a different color than he was in the original series. Yeah, he's a he's a lump shaman. And lump shamans are supposed to be a particular color, but in the newer show, he's like a, a gray-blue instead. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that the new show takes a lot of liberty with colors of, of monsters and things, which is it's interesting, but sometimes a little bit confusing. Yeah, and you know, I'll go into it when we get into uh, episode two, but sometimes the old show does that too. They have some weird color schemes. Oh, yeah. Oh, what I also appreciate about the show is I love how during the mid episode breaks, they show like a map of the world. So you get to see a preview of all the different places that they're going to explore as the show goes on. So that's cool. Oh, yeah. it even has the names of all the different countries and stuff. And the, and then usually like when they um, in the beginning, it, well, each time like they'll, they'll break, break to commercial and then come back. And then when they break out, they'll show like a different spell or skill that's usually related to the episode, and then we'll do a second one when they come back. So I always thought that was fun. Agreed. The old show would have little little gags there. 
Oh yeah, but that's right. it's perhaps a bit more helpful to actually be showing off the different spells and, and special moves. Yeah, and because like a vast majority of them, maybe all of them, I th- most of them, well, there's maybe maybe a couple, one or two exceptions, but like nine, at least ninety five percent of like all the spells and skills that they have in there are all Dragon Quest related. So it's great. Yes, like, and that's a big improvement on of the new show is that they're using whatever the company is that officially handles the international translations of the game. Mm-hmm. So they use all the official names of the spells. You know, uh, we have a, a friend online who, you know, he releases these more authentic fan translations for the old games and, and such. And he doesn't like the, you know, the official English names, mm-hmm. but for me and probably most Dragon Quest fans, it's really cool to see them casting cusp, you know, cuss whoosh and, and boom and all those kind of things. Oh, you know, that reminds me of it uh, going back to tax. Do you remember? I forget the name of the guy who who did it, but they went to a YouTuber to do a commercial for TAC. Did you, did you see that where he's making fun of the spell names for Dragon Quest? No, I don't think I've seen that. Oh, I'll have to show you that later. He, he, he's like uh, trying to be serious and acting like character, like a bad guy. And he's like and, and talking to the good guy. And then all of a sudden he gets like really goofy with the, all the Dragon Quest names. He's like, Kafrizzle, Kafrizzle, it's hilarious. Hey, those names are cool. They are. I, li- I like them. It's It's been a rough road for Dragon Quest names because uh, they've been switched around from various translators over the years as companies went and, and left and Enix shut down and came back up and they haven't been able, we haven't had a, until now, we haven't really had a, a, a time period where we've had like set spell names. It, they keep changing it around, it seems like every 10 years or so. Yes, the consistent names actually, I think that helps build fandom. You know, I, I think it helps everyone to feel like it's all connected and then it's more rewarding when Dragon Quest Eleven uses elements from the old games and things like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, and I thought in this first episode, they established the tone for the action very well. And you can tell that they put a lot into it. And I really appreciated that, uh, especially on the fight on the boat uh, where they where the monsters uh, all come out that die came that brought that he brought with him with the magic cylinders. Oh, yeah. Uh, especially when he, he pops out the green dragon. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of falls and like the boat shakes and stuff. It was great. Oh, yeah. And, you know, there's three different adaptations of Die, right? We've got the manga and the two different anime series, and each one uses different monsters in this particular conflict, and surely in many other scenes as well. But like we have the green dragon in the new show, and the old show had an armored scorpion and, and a few other interesting. Oh no, I'm sorry, it's the manga that had the armored scorpion. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, it's cool just to see which monsters the directors choose to go with for these specific scenes. Yeah, the king slime was great. <laughs> oh yes, definitely. Like the surprise, the surprise king slime. Like when they first come out, they're like, oh, it's just a bunch of slimes, whatever. But yeah, he's yeah, just for now. But come come a little bit later. The other, the other one I was just going to say, uh, they did a quick little cutaway in the first episode, like after the fight, because uh, during the fight, two of the sea monsters get uh, uh, turned into ice. And oh, yeah. so they have a little cut cutaway uh, after the fight is over where the merman is taking like a big rock or something. And he's trying to break break free the squid monster from his icy, icy, <laughs> icy cage. So I thought that was funny. Yeah, that was really cool. I love when they can find new ways to express personality like that. Oh, yeah, for sure. And speaking of the boat scene, we might as well go ahead and tell people how this this particular episode of the new show, it's condensing the story a bit. Oh, Do you yeah. remember how that particular fight went in in the old show? Uh, kind of. They were at because they this that whole sequence was lengthened, um, and and it take and most of it takes place in the manga too. Where instead of just like, hey, I'm on the boat now, it's like they actually sail back to the kingdom of Bromos, and then Indai tracks him down, and they have the fight in the courtyard of the of the castle, I believe. And something that I was going to mention that one of the few cuts that I miss that they don't do in the new anime is the infamous uh, tickle scene where they ca- <laughs> where they capture the 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 uh, the enemy cleric yeah yeah her and they capture her and so he he's she's like tied up and you don't know what die is going to do and he's like getting all, he's smirking and then he like rips off her pants and you're like what what is going on here is this getting is this supposed to be a kid show what what the heck and then he he summons a giant anteater who tickles her feet. And it was just, it was hilarious. Yes. That scene is really funny. And I do miss it in the new show. Yeah. You know, the, the new show seems to have the, 
I mean, it does have the goal of completing the entire storyline, right? And to yes. that to that end, they are condensing the story a little bit so that it's more realistic. Yeah, and I think it, having the tighter pacing is a little bit better because it, 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 in the old anime, it kind of drags a little bit. And, and I think that's great that they condense it a little bit. Sometimes you miss some things that would have been nice, but I, I like the how it's a little more efficient when it when it comes to that. It keeps the keeps the pace up, and I, I don't I like that. It is good for getting to the end. The only bad thing is I would say that condensing the pacing kind of results in the show being more about the the big battles. You know, mm-hmm. again, similar to to Dragon Ball Z. You know, like it starts out with this nice sense of adventure, but I would say around, I don't know, the thirties or the forties, it's kind of like one big battle after another for a while. And I, I kind of miss the in-between stuff. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, I thought it was interesting in this uh, episode, how the, uh, they want, or grandpa brass, he wants die to be a mage. He's like, you're going to be a mage. <laughs> um, but he's like, no, I want to be a hero. That's, that's my thing. And so there's that whole conflict in the beginning of the episode. That's, it's pretty nice. And I thought it was after they are able to rescue Gomechan and get the uh, and the king Romos gives them the special crown, which will become important later, which is which is which is cool. But uh, I thought it was funny how Gomechan uh, steals the crown and you see him flying away and dies like uh, thinks it's Grandpa Brass that hit it from him because he doesn't want to be doesn't want him to be a hero. I was like, what you do with my crown? Is Gomachan playing a prank? Yeah, that is a great joke. And Gomachan is imagining himself as a king slime. <laughs> but also that conflict between Dai and Grandpa Brass about what Grandpa Brass wants him to be, that's actually really similar to some of the conflicts in the recent theatrical film, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Oh, you know, I just saw that too. <laughs> yeah, you know, parents, uh, apparently particularly traditional Asian parents, really want a certain future for their child and it can be difficult for them to reconcile how the child actually ends up with it. Mm, true, true. Yeah, yeah, you definitely have that going on for sure. Yeah, because in, in dies like all, he's, he's unhappy about it. He's like, hey, Grandpa Brass just wants me to become a mage because he's a mage, but I'm going to be a hero. Yeah, and he just doesn't have the aptitude for being a mage, but poor Brass can't see that. No, <laughs> but it does, it's still his training will, uh, Help him later on. So it's interesting to see how that evolves. Thank goodness. The the final thing I have to say about this episode is that the the only other thing that I missed uh, that got cut and I don't actually it wasn't really cut. They just they just they they did it differently. Like they had a different reaction. So in the in the new anime, the uh, the what's her name again? The enemy cleric is, is it Zilban? Zilban? Or yeah, Zilban or something. So Zilban. she points. She's like pointing at this slime at some point in the episode, and she's like. I want uh, don't you have like something like this, but not as ugly or, oh, yeah. or something <laughs> like that. And they do that joke in both both uh, the new anime and the old anime. But yeah. in the new anime, the, the slime just kind of looks at her dumbfounded like, oh, OK, whatever. But in the old anime, the slime gets all mad. And it's a very cool animation of him getting all mad. Like, yeah, how dare you call me ugly? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was cool. Indeed. Yeah, the show has some some nice humor when it's not. You know, when the stakes aren't too grand. Yeah. On to episode two, Dai and Princess Leona. This next episode is about Princess Leona of Papnika and her quest to retrieve the Earth God's blessing on Dai's island, Dermline Island. An evil bishop and a sage in her court plot to kill her in the process. Yes, another good episode. Um, I thought it was interesting how uh, Dai and Princess Leona are, are talking to each other, and Dai reveals that he was bound to like all, pretty much all the spells that there that exist out there. Oh, yeah. And later on, like he's going to get better at spells, and it kind of just reminds me of of Dragon Quest of how. Like as the show goes on, he kind of levels up and then he gets better at spells and he's able to do them. And I just kind of saw that uh, saw that uh, being a kind of a parallel to this. That's a really good observation. Yeah. But uh, I also thought it was pretty cool in the episode how they referenced uh, they used squelch and the antidotal herb, or at least they talked about them. Oh, yeah. Always good to have uh, good Dragon Quest references. The killing machine in this episode is badass. Oh, back to what we were talking about with like weird colorations. So like he's the killing machine in this one, I think is somewhat accurately colored to what like a traditional killing machine looks like uh, somewhat. But like he's a bit black or gray. Yeah, a little bit. He's a little bit darker. But like in the it's worse in the old anime In the old anime, he's like this weird yellow color. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So it's even more crazy. 
So I did like the improvement on the coloration of the killing machine in this in the new anime. It is an improvement, but I, I don't know why they don't just go with the colors we all know and love. Like, why deviate at all? But I don't know. I guess the directors just have their preferences. And, and then sometimes the, the people who work on the games forget. Like, Akira Toriyama would, like, color the slimes wrong, the wrong color sometimes. <laughs> so it just, it, you never know. <laughs> yeah, at least, I mean, we end up with, you know, in the classic games, we have all these palette-swapped characters and I actually really like that. And whenever you have a modern game where they don't have enough enemies, I always wonder, why didn't you just palette swap some of the characters, you know? Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, like seeing the the yellow killing machine in the old show, it made me wonder, is this like a, a different model of the killing machine? You know, you know, like the killing machine light or something? It always makes me wonder that. Yeah, yeah. I also thought it was fun how uh, Grandpa Brass brings out the big guns in this episode. And he, he gets, he instead of doing frizz, like he's had been doing up to this point, he does a frizzle. I'm like, oh, man, Grandpa, Grandpa Brass, there you go. <laughs> go now you're now you're kicking some butt at least trying to it was good to see him be tough because the you know the bad guy that's with him what was that guy's name uh, oh the bishop Temjin. that's right Temjin. yeah i mean he actually like whoops Temjin, and Temjin's in trouble and without the intervention of the killing machine you know brass could have handled the whole thing on his own oh yeah i also thought it was cool how in this episode this is when the papnika knife is introduced oh yeah so, in which you can also see, that's one of the weapons that you can get attacked as well as an S-grade weapon. Love that. And, and I was trying to, I was trying to remember before I watched it. I was like, oh, I wonder if there's like, is there supposed to be like a special name for this uh, knife? But no, it's just the Papnika knife. Like she doesn't, all she does in both. I don't know if she, how she just. I think it's in the manga too. But like in the new manga, she just describes it as a distinguished knife of the royal family. And then like in the in the old. Uh, anime she talks about it being like an old uh, ancient sword of papnika and that's all she or knife of papnika and that's all she all she says like i'm used to i'm so used to like all these special swords having like special names but they it doesn't in this case it's just the the knife of papnika you know there's a, a reason why this one doesn't have one special unique name and it's because there's more than one of them aren't there i don't know yeah as i recall later on in in the show the original dagger of papnika gets destroyed and but there was another one and they provide that to die oh okay i forgot about that yeah. see I'll, I'll be able to see this as i watch the series again right on nice nice and it was also great to uh in this episode this is when die brings out his uh, dragon crest for the dragon crest for the first time <laughs> <laughs> uh so they don't explain uh what it is quite yet but the, there's this mysterious crest that shows up on his forehead and powers him up and he's able to do all sorts of crazy things. That's when he's able to start, you know, doing all these high, powerful spells, and he does like kaswoosh, and and yeah, that's starts kicking some butt. And uh, they, you can tell they have the big fight with the killing machine in this episode, and that's where you can tell that they used uh, CGI in the big fight there. Oh, and yeah. I think I think in this episode it's one of their better uses of it because um, there's some there there are some future episodes where they use this CGI in the fights and it looks really bad. <laughs> I'll I'll point it out when we get to them, but uh, sometimes it's better used than others. But this for this one, and I think a lot of it has to do with fighting a robot. It does. It lo- doesn't look too bad. It looks pretty good. I agree. And a lot of times the CG sequences, you know, it's always an indicator to the viewers. Oh, look, they're saving some money here. You know, a little bit too bad, but that's just the way that anime production has shifted. So there aren't a whole lot of shows where you won't notice some obvious CG now and then. Yeah, yeah. It's in. I think, like I said, in this episode, I think they do a pretty good job with it. And it's and it's a, a nice sequence. It's just sometimes. It, uh, sometimes in the future, it maybe could have been a little bit better, but <laughs> it's oh, okay. It's okay. Uh, and then the end of this episode, you get a uh, you get to see a little tiny introduction of Avon and Pop. So looking forward to seeing them in episode three again. And then they have a nice mellow end song. It's from the same band that did the uh, the beginning song, the the opening. So it's pretty good. And uh, and we were talking about pacing. So at this point, the old anime like everything that they do in the two episodes of this anime they do in three episodes in the old anime so they're basically an episode ahead that's right and thankfully they're actually really good at condensing the story with this particular new series so it it doesn't feel bad that instead of two episodes all this gets resolved in one yeah i didn't feel like it was i didn't feel rushed at all when i when i saw this compared to the old anime so that was good i think they did a good job with it agreed it's a fun episode yeah so uh, any final thoughts before we wrap this up? Um, all I can say is that I'm super happy that we have an official English release of a die anime. And as a result of the popularity of the anime, 
also the manga. Yes, I we will be reviewing the manga in future episodes. The second book is about to come out May 10th is the official release date, though I did hear from a bunch of other people that if you go to a Barnes & Noble, it may be out on the street right now. Oh, how cool. Yeah, so apparently they kind of ignore street dates sometimes from what I hear. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, check it check it out, and we'll be reviewing the manga in the future as well, for sure. Excellent. So everybody, that's all for this episode of Slime Time Tactfully Die. We don't use Patreon. If you do have any money that is just completely strashing in your wallet, pouch, bottom, bottomless bag, treasure chest, pot, barrel, safe, or even searchable wall sack, and you would like to donate anything to a website that's been supporting Dragon Quest fans for over 20 years... That's right, 20 years. Stop by the Dragon's Den at www.wudis.com den and click on support this site. Wudis has owned and maintained the Dragon's Den Dragon Quest fan site for decades. He personally edits every YouTube version of our part podcast and he fully appreciates any donations to help keep the servers running. The Dragon's Den website also features an Amazon affiliate link. If you click the link and then make a purchase, a small fraction of the sale will go to support the den. It doesn't cost you anything. Not even a piece of your soul. Oh, and if you have any comments or questions for the Dragon Quest Slime Time podcast, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at DQ Slime Time. And you can follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash eastxtwitch. Consider joining in tons of DQ discussions at the Dragon's Den forums, one of the few remaining forums still around. Find it from the Dragon's Den main page at woodus.com slash forums. You can also find us and other rabid Dragon Quest fans through the Dragon Questers and Dragon Quest Tact Global Facebook groups. We'd love to see you there. Or come hang out with us and tons of other hardcore Dragon Quest fans on the officially unofficial Dragon's Den Discord server. We'd like to thank everyone that made this possible, including Pendy for coming up with the idea of this podcast, and especially Woodus for his support of the series, this podcast, and keeping the Dragon's Den's lights on for decades. Please like, subscribe, and write a review for the podcast. For more Dragon Quest Slime Time, check out our library of episodes on Dragon's Den, Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Audible, YouTube, and more. That's all for now. Bye, everybody. And remember, don't hate. Appreciate. Time to zoom on out of here.